right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have plenty more KU football talk to get to you today. A bunch of KU player audio from some of the different players who spoke at Media Day. We've got our KU mailbag. If you want to get in any last-second questions, you can hit us up at RCST1320. Uh, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will join us at 4 o'clock. Our KU club interview is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern with the KU Men's Tennis Club. Comes up later this hour, and then after the show today, we've got High School Sports Weekly out at Burgers by Biggs. They're huge news. Mm. Huge news. Um, Literally mm. and figuratively huge news. Mm. Is it? You ready? Okay. It's Fat Bear Week. I'm sorry? Fat again? Bear Week. It's a competition in Alaska where you can vote on who the fattest bear is. Uh, so... Okay. It's literally, it's literally like the NCAA tournament, but for fat bears. So, all, so here's how it works: they, they, the bears, the way the, the qualifying for the competition is, there's a specific river where right. throughout the year they monitor the traffic of bears that come there, and the bears that come to the river qualify for the tournament. And the tournament mm-hmm. essentially is where you vote and determine what bears have become the fattest for hibernating in the winter. So it's like determined on like by diet. By like you know what all this. How do they know? Because they keep track. They keep track, and then you go How online. How do they keep track? You go online. How do they know which bear is what? Are they tagging these bears? Yes. No, absolutely yes. And then you what? go online and you vote. It's in Alaska. This is bananas. What's but what's bananas about this whole thing? What do you mean? What you think that's normal? You think that's <laughs> normal that these people keep track of what these wild bears do, and then they figure out which one's the fattest and they vote on it? That's normal. <laughs> It's a week-long bracket-style elimination contest that pits the bulkiest oh bears gosh. of the the Katmai. What does the bear K- win? K-A-T-M-A-I, Katmai, Katmai mm. National Park against one another. The public votes on a website hosted by explore.org. Does, do they win anything? Is there any I mean, prizes just, here? I don't think the I don't people think doing the, like bracket picks. Yes, I don't think oh the bear. Gosh. I don't think the bear wins anything. That's so stupid. So in 2021, the park identified 93 bears within a 1.5 mile radius of Brooks River, which is the river. So contestants, the bears, must use the river where the park has webcams set up to track them, both in the early summer and in the fall. Is this all eye tests? It's just like, oh, that one looks bigger than that one. Well, I don't, I don't know if they actually weigh them or not. This is this year so there are stupid. twelve bears <laughs> taking part of the competition. Imagine, imagine if they did the NCAA tournament, but they're like, Including, we don't have a two or three point line. We just have a judge who's going to say if he thinks that one's worth. Maybe that is how we should do basketball. Now that I think about it, like if you have a three sixty dunk, uh, sure, worth eight points. Why not? If you hit a fadeaway <laughs> jumper, that's worth more than two, four points. Perfect. This this year there are twelve bears taking part in the competition, including Otis, the reigning champion. Mm. Okay, park rangers use the year long. 
Park rangers use their year-long observations to create biographies for each animal, noting their complex food palates, freshly caught salmon versus leftover salmon, personality traits, and, of course, heft. I just don't know how they know which one's which, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. They keep track. You can keep track easily. That's what they said about Hank the Tank, and then they found out it was like three bears up in the area. Well, 600,000 people voted in this thing last year for who the fattest bear Mm -hmm. was during Fat Bear Week. 6,000 too many. The wait is over, Kansas. 600,000. Oh, Hundred people. Oh my gosh! This has like become a, a national phenomenon. Okay, that's why that's why it's huge news. Well, that, that I bear week. I don't think you can bet on that, but DraftKings Sportsbook is here, and the NFL action is in full swing. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, we're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. Tonight's Thursday, which makes it Thursday Night Football. Colts plus three and a half. At the Broncos. I have Dude, no idea. What a horrible game. By the way, okay. the, did you see the Tom Brady quote where somebody asked him, like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of parody in the NFL. And Tom Brady was like, yeah, all the teams suck. <laughs> like, that's literally what he said. He was like, yeah, I see a lot of bad football. Wow. That was, like, the direct quote from Tom Brady. I hope every team he plays uses that a bulletin board material. He said, you suck. Um, so... I don't know. I, I feel like all the primetime games have been going the under. This would be classic for that because both teams don't have very good offenses. Jonathan Taylor's out. What if this is just like every so often there's one Thursday night game that it's like, ah, oh, that's the one I'm not looking forward to, and it ends up being like 35-31. Could that be this? Probably not. I I don't know. I just, I out of principle, I don't want to watch another Colts game for the rest of the season. Out of principle, I'm, I'm gonna, betting the under. It's just going to irrationally trigger me every time I watch the yeah. Colts. We're going the under on 42 points. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KLWN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KLWN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Deposit restrictions apply. Bonus issued is free bets, one boost per eligible game. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Opt-in required. Parlay and wagering restrictions. Apply eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. How about this? We'll get into some KU football here in a second. The Royals, though, fired Mike Matheny. I thought that's what your huge news was going to be. Oh. And uh, <laughs> Max Reaper of Royals Review reporting that the Royals are looking at Lance Leipold to replace Mike Matheny. Good joke there. Ah, I like that yes. one. Very good. Um, but yeah, Royals things happening. I don't know. We'll talk more about that probably next Monday with uh, David Lesky. We'll have a season recap show with him coming up next week. On Monday when I talked to him before the Royals fired Mike Matheny, he said he had a list of 22 possible managerial candidates that he'd already put together. I'll be on the lookout for that with David at Inside the Crown. Okay, so the last time Kansas started 5-0 and in football, they also beat Iowa State for the fifth win. Coincidentally enough, that was in 2009. That's exactly what they did this year. It's obviously a completely different situation. And I think the biggest thing to point out is that situation was one where it was kind of on the, it was obviously on the end, the back end of the Mark Mangino era at Kansas, whereas this is at the beginning of the Lance Leipold era. So it's a positive ascension as opposed to the kind of negative momentum. Um, But obviously right now vibes are high and and I don't want to be the party pooper here, but I I guess I am because this is just something to talk about. (laughs) Um, at what point, because right now I I think it has almost shifted from, oh, this is more than a bowl team. This is a team that can win seven, eight games. Could they even win nine games and be a big 12 title contender? At what point here would Kansas have to get to, do you think, for fans to start to think, "Uh uh-oh, it's happening again? 
Because well, if they lose to TCU, people aren't going to start thinking, No. oh, no, they're I mean, not going to win six now. I mean, we've talked about this almost every week where with K football, like how long does it take for you to shake that thought from your mind of, of the idea that the collapse is coming? And listen, we've talked about it before. There's, there's, five and four is extremely possible for KU. They've got a, a very tough stretch coming up. You have TCU, obviously, at home this week. And then Oklahoma, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, two of those are on the road. Now, Oklahoma looks like they're in shambles, which I guess we'll see what they do against Texas. Oklahoma State looks like the best team in the conference, a top six team in the country maybe. Baylor is still a pretty good team, I think. So, like, it's, it is very possible that, we, that we're sitting here in a month and KU's 5-4. and four. That's not out of the realm of possibility. I, and I think if they're 5-4... and four, I would not be overly concerned. Maybe other people in the fan base might be. I think my concern would come then if you're 5-4 and four and then you go at Texas Tech and you lose. Because then you have Texas at home, which Quinn Ewers is coming back is coming back this week against, against Oklahoma, I believe. So Quinn Ewers will have had plenty of time at that point to, to establish himself once again. you got Texas at home and then at Kansas State. If you're 5-5 five and five going into those two games, I think then you can, you can start being really nervous. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's what it would, that's what it would need to get to. For me, it would K would have to be five and five for me to get to that point of like, okay, now I'm really concerned. Unless they're just, unless they just start getting blown out. Yeah, that does matter. Like unless they yeah. just lose, unless they lose to TCU and then they just lose by thirty to Oklahoma, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. Yeah, then you're gonna feel it. I do think though, if they're sitting at five and four, which to what you said, like that, that's a very likely. And, I and say that, yeah, that likely. would be fine. I, I think it's a very possible scenario. Assuming it's like they're close games and those four losses, I would be pretty comfortable with five and four. Yeah, exactly. But but also at the same point in time, I do think if if you go from five and zero to five and four, you are going to be sitting there going, "And eh, we only got three more bites at the apple. We've lost four straight. What's happening? This is starting to be the same thing again." I know it's easy to sit here and right now and say. Oh, if they if they're five and four, it's not the end of the world because they're going to be you know underdogs in all those games. And like you said, with with that three game stretch with OU, although who knows what to think of OU at this point, but with Baylor and, and Oklahoma State kind of on the back end, it's easy to just envision you know if you're just picking games one by one. But I think if we actually get there and they are sitting at five and four, and you are going to see some negatives that obviously lead to some of those losses. I think it is going to start to be like this panic of like, uh-oh, it's happening again, even at that point. And that's a lot of pressure that would go into the Texas Tech game. And obviously, at this point for KU, they are, I would say they're playing pressure-free for the most part. I mean, there's there's the national pressure, I guess, of people paying attention to KU now in college game and stuff. But internally, I, I feel like there's probably not a lot of pressure. You're basically playing with house money if you're KU. But with each loss, if they do start to lose the next game is going to become more important. And then the next game is going to become more important and so on and so forth until you get that sixth win, basically, right? Because at the end of the day, if KU finishes the season 6-6, six and six, you're going to a bowl. Mm-hmm. Great. That's, that's, I mean, we've been measuring we've been measuring this team on, on the status of going to a bowl game. And I think it was Matt Tate who came on the show and said, it doesn't matter if you're 6-6 six and six or you're 8-4 and or you're 9-3. and three, all, if, No matter what your record is, you go to a bowl. And that's all that matters for KU at this point. And I think that's a fair statement because we have literally only been viewing this team through the lens of, okay, get to a bowl game. Which is where I think the storyline becomes really interesting if KU beats TCU and becomes 6-0. and 
because now you've you've reached quote unquote the top of the mountain for I would say pretty much all KU fans at that point. And you've got half the season left. So what do you what even what goes on there? What happens then? If I guaranteed you that Kansas would split between this week and next week, would you take it or would you take your chances? I would take the guaranteed split 100%. If KU was sitting at 4 and 2, maybe you could make the argument of not taking that, but no okay. matter no matter what, okay, listen. Let me take no matter this what further. scenario you try to give to me, if it guarantees KU getting one more win, I will take it. I don't care any about anything else. Okay. Cuz it's they'll that will qualify them for the bowl. Well, then I, that would answer this next question, which I was going to ask. I was going to say, okay. what if I guaranteed you that as part of the split, I guaranteed you KU is going to lose to TCU this weekend, but beat Oklahoma, would you take it or let it fly? Or because there is a that, part of you that's like, man, wouldn't it be so awesome to, to win all, with college game day here and beat TCU? Yeah. Yeah. But if I would you still did take guarantee, yeah. Yeah, I would I mean, too. I mean, I mean, like maybe, maybe <laughs> I know. I know I'm kind of like be the first down. win in I'm, Norman. I think since the '90s. Yeah, I know I'm kind of shooting down your your hypotheticals here, but in my mm-hmm. mind, if no matter what hypothetical you come up with, if it has, if it guarantees KU winning one game, I'm taking it. Yeah, I think we're at a point now where if we just look at it as the next four game stretch, if we include TCU into that three game that we'd kind of been circling for full, so long over the course of the season, if they go one and three over the next four, I think you more than take that. Yes, right, absolutely. Anything more than that, clear cherry on top. If you go 0-4, it's still not the end of the world, but I do think they might be feeling a little bit more pressure after that, and that is going to start to be a conversation of, oh, no, here we go again a little bit. Not from everyone, but... Yeah, and even though 5-4 and four does seem like it's pretty possible, I think it's equally possible that KU goes 2-2 two and two or 3-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Oh, Easy. for sure. Easy. I mean, I was trying to think about what the line would be right now for, like, the Oklahoma game, for instance, because if you look at... The Big 12 title odds, I know that doesn't determine everything. KU has better odds, or whatever you want to call it, like shorter odds. They're seen as a better chance to win the Big 12 than Oklahoma is. And again, that's that, that doesn't always determine the game line because that could just be, well, your path to a Big 12 title and you lost here and that could hurt you in tiebreakers and you still have well, this opportunity, right? But that has to be indicative that the line in Norman, at least if it were played right now, like would KU be favored, or even if they were underdogs, it's it's one score less. Like it's probably yeah, it's not much probably worse than what they score. are to TCU. Yeah, it's probably one score, I would say. And what if Oklahoma loses to Texas and loses to Kansas? Well, I and guess three and four. That's that might be where I'm going with this. Like Oklahoma, is that even playing at Oklahoma, a place you haven't won since again? I think is, like the is, '90s. Is Brent Venables fired after after <laughs> Oklahoma loses to Kansas? No, not in year one. But like, <laughs> don't you think it like? I guess are you at a point? Is that a, is that the most winnable game of KU's next four games? No, I think the TCU game is more winnable. You do? Yes. I kind of think it's the OU game, which is weird. That's wild to say. No, because I think OU could easily wake up at any moment. That's, it could. That's, that's my thoughts on Oklahoma. So like, I think it's better that, though to play them next week than it is. No, at the end I, of the season. no, I hundred percent, I hundred percent agree. But I, I think at any week they could wait. Like they could. They could wake up against Texas for the Red River game and blow them out. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, you know, and maybe KU wins or loses a close game against TCU. And then all of a sudden, Oklahoma might be favored by 10 points if they just blow the doors off Texas, right? That, that's that's my concern with Oklahoma is I think they could wake up at any moment, which to your to what you just said is great that KU's playing them now or is going to play them, you know, not now, but next week. But I would I think... 
KU has a better chance of beating TCU. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got plenty of KU player audio to get to you throughout the show. We've got our KU mailbag coming up in about 15, 20 minutes from right now. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, Kenny Logan spoke with the media earlier this week. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, is going to join us in about 30 minutes here at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. We've got our KU Club interview brought to you by Johnny's Tavern a little bit after that. More player audio to share with you and some KU women's basketball stuff at the top of the 5 o'clock hour as well. But we have a KU mailbag for the week. Always love doing our KU mailbag. Um, first up is from Scott. That would be one Scott Chasen. And he wants us to hey, power rank these four sandwich places in Lawrence. He didn't go with any. Um, like he didn't, he didn't good, give us his rankings either. No, no, but he didn't do any like local ones, which I think is actually good because I don't want to offend or okay, yeah, give free advertising. I guess I don't know. I guess <laughs> I'm going to be giving free advertising for one of these, but for some way it could be negative advertising. I guess depending how you look at it. Um, doesn't mean I don't like any of them. It's just I have to rank one below the other because he wants me to power rank. These four sandwich shops, Mr. Good Sense, Subway, Quiznos, and Jersey Mike's. I don't even think right. we have a Quiznos here. I would like to preface this by saying I have never eaten Quiznos in my entire life. Yeah. Ever. Not one. I think you have to preclude so yourself from automatically four. No, I don't think that's how it works. What do you mean that's not how it works? I think as a society, <laughs> we need to... be four. No, I, I think as a society, we need to understand if you haven't experienced something or tried something, automatically you less. don't just have to insert yourself and be like, that's gross. I am inserting you know? myself and saying Quiznos is last. That's wrong. How is that wrong? That's like me saying, let's say like I asked your favorite movie and I was like, oh, I've never seen it. It must suck. <laughs> It's like, no, oh, no. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that because I've never had it, I can't rate it, and therefore that's what I'm saying. You have to exclude yourself from it. No, it's it's. So at you're the only ranking three. I'm ranking four. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. Um, let's right, see. Should we go from worst to first? Yeah, then? let's go worst to first. Okay. So fourth for you is Quiznos. Yep. Honestly, Quiznos and Subway are like the same to me, but Subway is more accessible, so I will go Quiznos four. Okay. I was gonna put Subway at three also, because. I mean, Subway, it's it's Subway. There's nothing special about it. It's just mm-hmm. It just is what it is. I'm about to make a controversial thing happen right here. Okay. Number three, Jersey Mike's. Really? Really? I'm not a, not a huge Jersey Mike's guy. I'm not a big, like, vinegar on the sandwich and, and stuff like that. Like, okay. that's the thing there. It's They put the pepper and the vinegar and, and the spice and stuff. Not really my cup of tea, personally. And uh, I'll just say I have Subway at number two after that. Okay. Big up for Subway. Is that the Subway? Have you ever had Subway cookies? Um, if I have, it's been a while. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> I swear. Subway cookies. Okay. Really good. So I'm giving them a boost for that. So no, that's I, why they're in a number I two. I think that's a fair boost. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with, uh, okay, so I have Quiznos at four, Subway three. I'll go I'll go Jersey Mike's two. Okay, I'll, I will say this. I when I, when I was, when I was at KU, I worked with KU Athletics, mm-hmm. and... Jersey Mike's was like their go-to okay. like food place for games and stuff. So I ate a lot of Jersey Mike's. Did that help or hurt? I, I think it helped to begin with, but then it kind of hurt it long <laughs> like, term. I've had this too much because yeah. I had it a lot. But Jersey Mike's is good. Like I, it's it's a really quality sandwich shop. Mm-hmm. But I'll I'll put it at two. I think 
so we both agree. Mr. So good good sense, sense number one. Yeah, good sense is one. Consensus. Mr. Good Census. Um <laughs> they have good cookies too. Yes. They have good sandwiches. Yes. You can get like a hot sandwich, you can get a cold sandwich there. I now, think they're the most consistent. Scott didn't put this on the power rankings, but my number one sandwich place is Firehouse Subs. Oh, okay. Um, I do like Firehouse Subs. It is a little bit out of the way from where we are here, but yeah, it's good. My favorite, if we're actually going, like I'll, I'll give a, a shout out here. My favorite one in Lawrence is Yellow Sub. Okay. Yellow Sub's really good. They got a bunch of different types of sandwiches you can get. I, I mean, they classic. So that's number one. But as far as the ones he asked us to rank, good we're pretty much in agreement, one. except that I put yeah. I put your Jersey Mike's and Subway flipped, yeah. which for me it wasn't even necessarily about like Subway being better. It's just the Subway cookies, which I had yeah. to mention. Oh, I, I think that's a reasonable thing to to give them a leg up on. Okay, this one from Earl. Can we get a story on Sam Burt or maybe a guest appearance? First of all, I would just like to say if Sam would be willing to come on the show or do a guest interview or something, yes. we'd be more than willing to have him. Yes. Um, we have shared, he's been at Media Day a couple times throughout yeah. the season. We've shared yeah. that audio here on the show, but we'd love to have him for a full interview and whatnot. Uh, he said, Earl says, one and a half sacks against State, was hard to block all game. He finally deserves a shout-out. Only married man on the team, up for numerous midseason awards, leader on and off the field. Again, I think we have been giving him shout-outs. We've, yeah. you know, we've mentioned him many times on the show and, and how, what he brings I, to the I, table. I love that Earl includes only yeah. married man on the team as, as, yeah. as part of... Yeah, I love it. <laughs> It makes him unique. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. As yeah. a married man myself, tip of the cap to Sam Burt. I don't know if we're in the same club like that. Me and Sam, just same guys. <laughs> totally alike. Both unbelievable athletes. No, Sam, I'm just sure. um, I'm on the show. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, great game. And and we've talked about this story on the show about the guy that, you know, last year he gets injured in the early going and then misses all that time. He decides to come back for the K-State game because it means a lot, and he only had a limited amount of games for which he could play to retain the red shirt because he wanted to come back for this year. And that in itself just kind of showed how cool it was. And He's a team captain. Last season with how much they struggled in run defense, well, that was the one thing that like Sam Burt had been great at for KU was a run defending, um, run stuffer of a defensive tackle. And so I don't think it's... Like, obviously, they've gotten better in a lot of other ways. It's not just Sam Burt is back. But having Sam Burt back has been a big reason why they've gotten so much better as a run defense. And that's what was cool, I think, too, about the Iowa State game. He had the one-and-a-half sacks. I believe those were his first sacks of his career. He's always, like I said, been like that really good run-stuffing defensive tackle. He, he kind of added to that in the game against Iowa State. So good for him, man, and he's clearly a leader, leader picking up all these awards, like does a ton in the community yeah. as much as anyone across the country. Um, it's very, been very, awesome very, for him uh, coming back. Very well-spoken guy, too. When we Absolutely. Had him, we had him on for uh, for his audio and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, shout-out to Sam Burt, and, yeah, come on the show. What else can we say? <laughs> okay, uh, Kansas Flat Billy. That's the Twitter name. Assume not the real name. <laughs> Could you imagine if that was his real name? Flat anyway, Billy? Um, yeah. I've shown I can throw back Natty Lights with the best of them and offered to travel all opposing teams to serenade them with my own version of Alvin and the Chipmunks school songs to throw them off their game, and Leipold still won't hire me. Why? Okay. I, I, hmm. This is... This is one of those ones where, as I'm reading it, I just it, the next line just continues to throw me off. It's not what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. First of all, what does Alvin and the Chipmunks school songs mean? Is he saying like he's gonna do like a high pitched squealy version of their song 
to try to oh is is am I reading that the right or wrong way? See, when I first took it, I figured it was like a like a I don't know like a basically a tape of like an album of Alvin <laughs> and the Chipmunks singing like schoolyard songs. You know what I mean? Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. You're right on that. Um, yeah, because like he, so he's gonna like he's saying he would go to Oklahoma. Yeah, and then like just sing. The Boomer Sooner song. Yes. At, but like in a high-pitched, annoying, squealy voice mm-hmm. so that the Sooners would be like, who is this guy doing this? Right. And then like while they're looking off the field, Jalen Daniels would just throw like yes. a 60-yard touchdown yes. pass to Quentin Skinner. I, I think this is a genius <laughs> idea. I also love that, you know, he's shown he can throw him back natty lights with the best of them. Yeah. I wonder how much those things are related. How many natty lights yeah, before you say- get to Alvin and the Chipmunk song? <laughs> Uh, There's got to be a correlation there. So why Lance Light pulled one higher? I can't imagine why. I really yeah. can't. I don't know. Maybe he just hasn't seen it yet. You know, just need to do a better job of, of or, getting it. You know, in- maybe maybe Lance is just a, a man of integrity. He doesn't yeah. want to. That's know, he true. He wants but, to mean, win fair and square. Yeah. He doesn't need yeah, the he cheats. Doesn't, he doesn't need to use Alvin and the Chipmunks to, to win games. Mm-hmm. You know what you can do if, if you really want a job? Um, Nobody nobody sends letters anymore, right? Write a handwritten letter. Yeah. Letter. You know, with your resume to, attached and on the resume to, for skills, to you Lance, know what to put in there. Yeah. Lance? Okay. yeah. That would get his attention, I bet. Maybe. He would probably actually read it versus like an email <laughs> or something. Right? Would he not? I, I guess. I honestly I, I don't, don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe we should run a test, Derek. Maybe mm. we should write a letter, like a but like not using our names, like just random mm-hmm. and then send it to KU and then we'll ask Lance, hey, did you get a letter mm. and see if he read it? Well, you know what else we could do? So, um, Kansas Flatbelly, I have a request. If you could send in to the show, we'll play it on next week's uh, mailbag of you singing one of these these oh, songs. I would love as that. Chipmunk, right? I would love that, yes. We can, like, intro the, the segment with that or something. That would be great, and that could be your, like, audition tape. Yep. And who knows? Maybe, maybe some KU fan or, or somebody, you know, close-ish to Lance Leipold listens to the segment, listens to the song, and they pass it along to someone, and they pass it along to someone else, and then all of a sudden Lance Leipold finds out about it, and boom, there you go. You have a job. Okay. Uh, This (laughs) one from Nick. Not me. Not you? Okay. What will KU football miss most with Daniel Highshaw sidelined? I'm going with blocking. He has low-key been amazing. Yeah, the blocking aspects, there was a lot of good video. There was a lot of good clips from the Iowa State game, actually, where that demonstrated his blocking ability. I, I wonder if maybe the thing they might miss the most, though, is just the fact that Daniel Hyshaw was such a hard runner. I mean, anytime you need a tough yardage, he was going to get it and then some. He was he was the type of running back that is always falling forward, was never going down off first contact. So I wonder if, especially in short-yarded situations, it, like maybe this, maybe like right away, they'll miss that. And then maybe if they as they adjust, they might not miss it as much. You know what I mean? But I wonder if that's what they might miss the most out of him is actually just that tough, hard-nosed running, especially if it's third and short for for KU. Yeah. Did you know Kai Thomas is actually KU's highest-graded run block or pass blocker? Really? On uh, Pro Football Focus. It's three pass blocks. It's three snaps. So that's not to indicate that he necessarily would be as good or or better than Daniel Hyshaw. Maybe there is potential there. Um, But, yeah, it, it is unfortunate because... I mean, you lose so much. Like, I know this is a specific question about the blocking, but you're yeah. right. You you miss how hard he runs. You miss having the power back. As much as KU does have a lot of running back depth, you don't really have another true power, power back. Yeah, he right? was definitely the power guy. Yeah, so that hurts. But, yeah, as far as his pass blocking, that obviously has been so key for KU in keeping Jalen Daniels clean. I think, honestly, the answer to this is Tory Lachlan, to be honest. like As the um, power guy? 
No, not as a power oh, guy. As the pass, pass blocker. blocker. As the pass blocker, yeah. So uh, Daniel Highshaw was KU's highest-graded pass blocking running back outside of Kai Thomas, but obviously a lot more snaps in that regard, over 70 grade in that regard. The next highest is Tory Lachlan. And Tory Lachlan was pretty good at this last year, too. Um, he had a lot of plays where he kind of picked it up in, you know, a blitzer coming on or it led to KU having a big play. So I, I think the potential is in there for the, for for him that he can help them in that regard. Um, I don't think it's going to be as simple as, like, okay, with Daniel Highshaw and Devin Neal, they were both pretty much splitting carries and splitting the load. I think it's going to be less of just one other guy fills in for high shot. I think Devin Neal will just get a little bit more. I think Guy Thomas and Savion Morrison might get a little bit more. And I think Tory Lachlan might get more of those opportunities. He's a former receiver. He's good in the passing game. He can help you out in the pass blocking game. It's going to be tough to overcome, but I do think Tory Lachlan has the potential to do it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's I think it's not going to be as simple as. Here's Kai Thomas, and he'll take over for Daniel Highshaw. Or here's Savion Morrison, and he'll take over for Daniel Highshaw. I think it might be more. And also, obviously, we've been seeing a little bit more and more of the Jason Bean stuff each week. Perhaps the injury to Daniel Highshaw might expedite that a little bit more for in terms of running, like yeah. with running plays and stuff. They might bring, they might use Jason Bean even more too. So I the the good news for KU here is that we talked about it. Running back preseason and coming into the season was was considered their deepest position in terms of talent. And it's next man up. I mean, the the injury to Daniel Highshaw is, is is really unfortunate, but but it's next man up, and that's kind of what we heard in the audio was also from the press conference of Andy Kolenicki and and even Jalen Daniels was asked about it. A couple other guys were asked about it. Like, it's it's an next man up mentality for KU, and injuries are going to happen over the course of a season at any position. And I I but I do think it's going to be more of a spread the wealth around instead of just one guy plugging and playing and filling in for Highshaw. This one from Jared, it's actually three questions. One, does 12-1 and Kansas with a Big 12 championship get in the playoff? Yes. You think so? Yeah, I, I feel like... Okay, so SEC Again, winner we, gets in. We've, right? out, we've outlined this problem. The yeah, problem you could run into is that you'll have a one-loss Georgia plus one-loss Bama mm-hmm. plus like undefeated Ohio State and a Michigan's 11-1. and but who knows? Maybe Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State beat each other up, and maybe just one Big Ten team makes it. Maybe yeah. just one. Like Georgia looked beatable to Missouri. What happens if Georgia and Alabama if both go in at eleven up, and one? Yeah, you know, and then the what, loser what would be a disaster in. is if Georgia trips up against some bad team and they have one loss. Yeah, and then they beat Alabama in the championship game. That would be a disaster. Yeah, so that's there. But at the least, we know SEC winner and Big Ten winner are probably going to make it in, so that's two yeah. teams right there. You still have Clemson out there. Clemson's out there, which I don't see them losing the rest of the way, so they're probably in. And then it's just kind of like who would make it between either the second team of one of those other conferences? Would USC stay undefeated? I still think USC is going to lose once or twice. I mean, Kansas, if you're 12-1 and one, you win the Big 12, if they're not fourth, they're fifth or sixth. So they're, they're in the conversation. Yeah. Um, Kansas does have, like, <laughs> I I love that I'm actually like playing this out in my head. <laughs> but if you're like comparing, like hypothetically, let's say Michigan goes 11 and one, and their only loss is Ohio State, okay. and they don't win the Big Ten, and Kansas 12 and one wins the Big 12. Michigan played no one in the non-con. Kansas played Houston and Duke, which are not like you know, but flex Duke, on Duke it might games. end up being a bowl team. exactly, and Houston will be a bowl team. That's more than anything Michigan had in the non-con, and you'd have a championship. So. Yes, if Kansas goes twelve and one, I will say they get in the playoff. There's obviously a chance they wouldn't, but I I think they would. Okay, 
Number two, does Kansas cover 25 and a half in the semis against Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> my, my gut says no, but mm. maybe. Georgia, as you said, they've been 28-plus point favorites the past two weeks, and they it took a strong second half to beat Kent State, and it took a great fourth quarter to beat Missouri. So if Kansas came out and was off to and got off to a good start against Georgia, they could maybe cover 25 and a half. I mean, this is all a hypothetical, so I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> of course they would. Uh, number three, what are some good restaurants in Dallas so, to eat at? Besides the Big 12 Championship. Yeah, yeah, I assume he's asking this because it will be going for the Big 12 Championship, would be, my, would be what I assume. Let's see. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I've I've only been to Dallas like a couple times and generally I've only been in their airport. So in terms of like local places, I don't really know. Do you have any ideas? So there's two that jumped off for me. Um this one's in Fort Worth, which I I don't know how far away it would be from the stadium. Um and I'm I did go to a really good Italian place in Fort Worth actually. Oh, you did? Do you yeah, remember I don't the name? remember what it was called? actually, which is kind of sad. Okay. Um, well, there's this place called Cooper's Old Time Pit Barbecue. It's in, like, the Stockyards area of Fort Worth, which is where you can, like, go. The train's there. You can get, like, an authentic, like, cowboy hat or cowboy boots or something like that. Um, Are you a cowboy hat guy? There's- no, not really my thing. But it's an it's a awesome uh, barbecue spot. Really good, like, brisket and everything. Um, the other place would be, I don't know if they still have a restaurant up there, but when I lived in Texas, we went a couple times. The, you know, you'll see it like on, on video and stuff in Dallas, like in downtown, the big like ball, you know, the big tower with the ball on it. Okay. Yeah. It, it rotates around. It's a restaurant up there and it rotates around. You get to see it rotates very slowly. You get to see everything. It's a very nice restaurant. That's more of a nice restaurant. You got to be willing to spend a, a little bit more money there. Those would be my two recommendations. And then outside of that, they've got a great hamburger place called McDonald's that you should check out now. Um, but yeah, that's that. Uh, this one from Taylor, speaking of food. Why is Chick-fil-A better than Cane's? Okay. First of all, it's not. Okay, that's that's number one. But number two, as a, as a Cane's enjoyer, mm-hmm. and listen, I don't think anybody, there are very few people on this earth that probably enjoy Cane's more than I do. I think during my during my four years in Lawrence at KU, I don't even want to think about how much money was spent at Cane's for me. I mean, we're talking in the thousands easily. Wow. That well, much? I de- okay, listen. You I, paid tuition in Cane's sauce. I definitely right. went to Cane's like at least twice a week, right? So if I go to Cane's twice a week, it's 20 bucks a week. Okay. Okay. Times 52. You went twice a week? Easily, if not more. This is incredible. You didn't know that? No. Oh, yeah. I guess I never. That's so yeah. much. I love. Yeah, Kane. I went. I went there a, a significant amount, especially when I was at at KU. So I love Canes, obviously, but I have a confession to make about Canes, mm. which may actually out me as not a true Canes fan. Uh oh. Up until very recently, I was not aware that Canes also makes their own in-house honey mustard that you can get. You yeah. Ask, you ask for it instead of the cane sauce, and I was not aware of that. Until very recently. I would like to try it. I tried it recently. It was pretty good because I really like honey mustard a lot. I'm a big, I like honey mustard in general. And that's why I was, I was shocked and also upset that I learned that, or I didn't know that they had it for so long. Mm -hmm. And then I learned about it and I've tried it and it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I have to try it. Yeah. I do like Cane's better. 
There are certain times you want Chick-fil-A. Like, they're just different, though. They're, they're so different of what you want, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just Chick- the mood Chick-fil-A is good. I they're don't want anybody good. to think that Chick-fil-A, that I, I think Chick-fil-A is not good. But, yes, Canes all the time. So this is this is just a bad take by Taylor. Okay. Just a just an incorrect wrong take. Um. Okay. That, lots of food today. This one from Jerry. <laughs> last one. Late night is like a week away. What are you most excited for? It is like a week away tomorrow. Yep. Uh. What am I most excited for? I'm trying to think. I mean, honestly, we're not going to learn like a ton, but I guess it'll be good to see the freshman big men going up against each other. But it's it's not like real basket. It's just kind of like an open court scrimmage. So I don't know how much we're going to really learn, but I am most excited for. Shaq, and here's why. Oh, I think sometimes when there's when you have big people like that, and you see them on TV, you don't really understand like how large they are. You know what yes. I'm saying? So I'm excited to just for people to see Shaq in person and just see like actually how big he is, mm-hmm. how large of a human he is. That's what I'm most excited about. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our KU mailbag. One hour down, two to go. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joins us next. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson here on RCST and joined now by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Kansas takes down Iowa State and kind of leading things off here, Brian. I do have an inside the booth question for you with yourself and and David Lawrence. When when you guys are approaching a big play like that where, you know, you're hoping the other team misses a big field goal at the end of the game, who's more superstitious in the booth, you or David? Superstitious? Wow. I don't know. I mean, I, I have certain superstitions and, and pregame stuff, I guess. But in that moment, I don't know. The craziest thing that happened in that moment, if you go back and listen to the call, I say, and Kansas will win. And my microphone gets knocked backwards about 12 inches because Sean Kellerman, our spotter, turns and tackle hugs me. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that's the tight-knit group we are. I'm glad you did it. I, just, I, I wish the mic flag wouldn't have... Uh, gone a foot off off my face at that point but it gets cut off and then you hear like that that ruffling of a microphone kind of the movement you know as you move back down and then i'm like and the jayhawks escape so that's what was going on in that moment but in terms of superstitions i don't know that any of us you know have to like sit up in our chair or face a certain way or anything like that in the big game moments but it's definitely tense up there and and uh certainly the party was underway at that point well, KU now 5-0, and taking on TCU, and as far as game day being in town and, and everything that kind of comes along with that, um, take me back into you know when you were hosting the show here in 2007 season and, and whatnot is going on. I, I'd imagine you would have thought game day would have kind of came then, so so what does it mean, I guess, do you think to you in the, in the program uh, to have it now eventually with Lance Leipold kind of taking over? Yeah, I mean, the, the game in Kansas City was KU and Mizzou got all the spotlight, but that's not the same as having it on your campus. And so to have this kind of showcase for the Campanile, the Hill, the David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium, even though we're trying to fix it up and, you know, obviously have, have new traditions with, with new stadium facilities and all that, it's still great to show off our game day, our, you know, base of the Hill football experience that David Lawrence always says is is the most beautiful setting for all of college football. So it's a different kind of feel for sure. And can't wait to see what it looks like, just how many 
folks we can uh, pack onto that hill with their Fill the Hill campaign. I know it's fall break for the students, and, and some of them had plans to go elsewhere, but hopefully the majority of them have rerouted those plans back to Lawrence because this truly is once in a lifetime, and we say that all the time about certain things, but uh, never happened before to host game day like this. You don't know when it's going to come back again. So by golly, make the most of it. Be out there early and uh, you know get a chance to, to soak it all in. And, and hopefully we'll go out and, and prove worthy of, of having them here by putting on a show between 11 and 2 o'clock of our own and getting to 6-0. Because to think that this team could be that close to bowl eligibility at the midway point of the season when we haven't sniffed a bowl game since Nick Springer was in the fourth grade. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's how long it's been. It's, it's just a great feeling that we're that close to doing something that special. All right, Brian, if you were going to game day and you were making a sign, what would your sign be for game day? <laughs> you know, it's funny. We asked this question to Coach last night and put him on the spot, and he didn't have anything great. And I should have known that you guys would put me on the spot <laughs> with, with something like that. I don't know, man. I, it, it would be something involving our players. And, you know, we always talk about player nicknames or something like that. I would have to do something – with Jalen Daniels or Hawk Mob or Kobe Bryant or, or so, something with one of our guys with like a fat head of them and, and, and something about them because I'm all about showcasing our kids inside our program. Maybe something with Jerry Casey. He went to Jared. I don't know. We, but, but let me come back to you on that one before Saturday because you can't steal the thunder after the fact and steal something that somebody else already had. But I really haven't put much thought into my sign. Have you guys come up with your own? Uh, you know, I haven't. I've been thinking too. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough because you want to have a great sign, obviously, but it's it's it is it is hard. I mean, it's it's definitely tough to decide what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, do you think I, I, maybe something with uh, the acronym ESPN. That I'm trying to think off the top of my head, you know, what I put for the E, the S, the P, and the N that that speaks to our proud tradition here because you don't have any, any J's in there for Jayhawks or K's in there for Kansas. But I, I think that the best sign has to have something about wheat waving because that's what we're all about here with Kansas football. And thankfully, at 40 points a game, we've been waving a lot of wheat this year. So it has to be something like that. I don't know. Maybe like, you know those uh, – you know those signs they have at TCU basketball with Jamie Dixon with the moving arms, like his arms are on hinges, and they spread out wide and they put it behind the backboard? I would get like a Lee Corso fathead and put his arms on hinges so Lee Corso's waving the wheat. <laughs> it's not really a sign, more of a prop, but, but something like that with an adjacent sign that talks about wheat waving because that's what we hope to do a whole lot of come Saturday afternoon. I have one. Um and anybody is, is free to use this because uh, I won't actually be, like, making one. But um, uh, I just ask if you do the sign, at least put a little credit on there, like RCST or something. Um, I love Kirk Herb Street, so this is not, like, a, a dig at him or anything. But Mass Street more than Herb Street. How about that? Oh, okay. Yeah, greater than Herb Street. I like it. That's, That's really good. good. Yeah, we'll think of more. We should do a segment on that tomorrow. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, with the matchup here specifically, Brian – you know, KU's played TCU close of late, including that game last year, which kind of felt like to me, I guess maybe that was a bigger indication of where this program was going than even the Texas game to a certain extent. Like if you work with me here to the idea of we've seen KU upset other teams in the past. We've seen KU play teams in the Big 12 close before, 
But what we hadn't seen is them follow it up the next week with another competitive game or another near win, which was the case last year, which maybe was kind of the changing of the guard there. And, and obviously there have been other close games with TCU too in recent memory, whether it was the game where they were ranked, I think, fourth in the, the playoff rankings and KU almost beat them in, I think, 2014 with Clint Bowen or the win that they did have over them in Lawrence on like the butt fumble. D- does that give you any more confidence in this game or do you think things are just so different now, new coach now at TCU, obviously different era here, for KU that that's just kind of gone in in the past? Well, it is way different with Sonny Dykes as you can't, you know, compare a whole lot from last year. But I do think it's important to, you know, bring up the fact that our players know that against a lot of similar personnel, they took him to the wire and, and we lose on a field goal with six seconds left in regulation after the Hawks had put a serious charge into the Frogs in the last 11 minutes of that game. I mean, it was 28-14, and we were kind of struggling to get going. And then big 74-yard drive with a Luke Grimm touchdown on the receiving end. Then Jerry Casey gets the game-tying score with 4.45 to go. And obviously you would have loved to have gotten a stop on that last drive, but it really kind of felt like we just ran out of time because all the momentum was with KU at that point, and they just did enough to occupy the clock and set up Kel for the field goal. But for a program that had not won on the road in conference play in over a decade, to almost do it in back-to-back weeks really was a great validation of the previous win over Texas and a great indication you know, of what they were building toward and the fact that they really were peaking late in the year once this coaching staff and, and the messaging and, and everything was, was starting to kind of sink in with these guys. So that's, that's a great point to bring up. And you know, I think back to... Early in my tenure as voice of the Jayhawks, I have to pull up the exact year if it was 2017. We, we played him at home, and I remember David Beatty bringing me in his office the next day and showing me a, a wide-open pass that, that our quarterback missed that would have won the game. There was a slant pattern that was completely uncovered, and our quarterback, and I'm not trying to throw anybody on the bus, he, he went on to transfer out of here to West Virginia Tech, but uh, he, he just – flat out missed it. And, and if that play is made, maybe we beat them there. Of course, when you bring up the near misses, you also have to bring up the times when they just dominated us. The game when we had about 26 total yards of offense, also in that David Beatty era, that was down in Fort Worth. Uh, and then there was the year that we go to Fort Worth and, and we find out two hours before kickoff, Khalil Herbert's left the team. And uh, that was you know that awkward time of the year when you're four games in and, and guys can still redshirt and transfer and um, he transfers to Virginia Tech as well, and uh, obviously now doing a great job with the Chicago Bears. But the point is, we've had some really competitive games with TCU. But we've also had a few others where they've taken us behind the woodshed. And I think that particular year was uh, 43 to nothing uh, down in Fort Worth in 2017, and it must have been the uh, 2016 game that we lost 24-23, and there was a, a, a great passing opportunity that we just missed the boat on. And uh, had Carter Stanley maybe been in the game, maybe it, it decides differently. At least that was the thought of the coach at the time. But I think we're, we're now in a position where we can expect to compete with these guys year in and year out. And, uh, and hopefully finish the job more so than just once in 10 years. The all-time series is 25-9-4 and four, but in favor of TCU. But as Big 12 rivals, they've won 90% of them. So it's time to start settling that score a little bit. Well, for Kansas to, to come away with the victory on Saturday, is there 
a player or a unit or just an individual portion of the game. I know I've kind of harped on the ability to slow down TCU's big plays as being pretty critical here. That sticks out to you that the Kansas most has to do to come away with a victory on Saturday? You know, um, it, it's easy to always talk about, and it seems like it's the cliche coach's answer when you ask for keys to the game and they talk about winning the turnover battle. Every coach from, from Class 1A high school football to the NFL will talk about that. But I think about the difference it made a week ago in a really evenly matched on paper type matchup, the fact that we got a couple of takeaways, one of which set up our last score of the game, and without it, we don't win. And, and obviously, the, the Tory Lockman fumble recovery was huge momentum-wise as well. And, and I just kind of feel like in a game where I think Duggan and, and uh, Jalen Daniels are going to go back and forth and it's going to feel more of a shootout kind of in that 42-38 type category, I, I think there may be one halted drive on a takeaway. That, that ends up tilting the scales on this thing. And so, you know, you can talk about total offense, yardage, first down, third down, completion percentage, all that. I, I think ultimately if, if we can find a way to tilt the scales with a timely turnover uh, and, and do something that, you know, TCU has done a really good job of avoiding. You look at Duggan right now, 11 touchdowns, just zero interceptions. And on Jalen Daniels' side of the ledger, he's got 11 touchdowns, one interception. So both of these quarterbacks have been outstanding at not only putting points on the board, but avoiding mistakes. I think the defense that can step up, rattle the cage, and, and get a mistake out of one of these two guys that have both been decorated as National Player of the Week, both are amongst the nation's leaders in QBR and passing efficiency and all of these things. Who blinks first? Who stumbles first? Which defense makes that play? And it doesn't have to come with an interception. Maybe it's on a fumble or something like that. But I really think these two teams are that even. And so it might be the team that shoots itself in the foot first that winds up losing this game. And, and that could be exactly what helps Kansas win it if you look at our ability to now you know, be a little more dynamic defensively in the takeaway column. Brian, particularly in the second half of that game against Iowa State last week, the offense w was pretty stymied in that second half. I guess what, what gives you confidence that they'll be able to bounce back and have a big week this week against CCU? Is it, is it Jalen Daniels as the X factor? Is it Andy Kolnicki calling the plays? What, what gives you confidence that the offense is going to get back on track against CCU? Well, I mean, Iowa State's one of the best probably two or three defenses we'll play all year. And these guys are certainly impressive athletically. But I think Iowa State was able to do some things that bottled us up. And I think, honestly, if you talk to our coaches, we probably got a little bit conservative. Uh, there were chances, certainly, on, on deep balls that Jalen just missed. I mean, there were two home run balls over the top that if he puts it on the money, we win this thing going away, and we're not talking about the offense getting derailed. Because, obviously, a 28-11 you know, game feels way different for an offense that came in averaging – 48.5 points per game. When you get held to 14, though, and you don't score from the 524 mark on in the, the second quarter, uh, obviously yeah, that, that begs for, for a big bounce back the next week and, and it has you kind of scratching your head as to what went wrong. I do fully expect you know, Daniels to make the throws he missed uh, last week to this week, and I fully expect the Kansas offense and the coaches to trust him more. I don't think on a third and seven or eight in four-down territory they're going to 
run with Jason Bean and ended up having a punt when you could have two downs of Jalen Daniels in four-down territory and try and get there, provided you make something positive on that third and long. That's not to say they won't utilize Jason Bean in other ways, but I, I, I think that they're able to learn from the stuff that didn't work, learn from instances where maybe they could have trusted Jalen more, and, and ultimately give him more chances because, obviously, this team raced out to a 4-0 Start on his broad shoulders, but I feel like on a day when he didn't quite have his A game or his fastball, so to speak, we went away from him a little bit on some key plays where I would have liked to have seen Kansas trust him more. And so understanding that our offensive coordinator has a creative element to him that we've only scratched the surface of. We've literally just seen the tip of the iceberg and the creativity that is Andy Kotelnicki. And understanding just how motivated and determined Jalen Daniels is to bounce back after a game where he clearly wasn't hitting on all cylinders. You give those two a a week to work out some of the kinks and uh, go out there and and have a whole heap and helping of motivation to get back to that offensive dominance that we saw in the month of September. I'll put my money on those guys any day. I really will. And I think that the matchup itself, shapes up to be more of a a back-and-forth type game as opposed to when it was clear this was going to be a game of fewer snaps, fewer possessions, more ball control. I think everything kind of tightened up, including a little bit of the creativity that we would have had in previous weeks. I think this game opens up more on Saturday, and so too will the scoring. All right, well, Brian, appreciate your time as always, man. And before we let you go, word from Nate Miller. That's right. Just like the Jayhawks are putting together their game plan to take down the Frogs, you need a game plan for your financial future, and Nate Miller would love to help you with that. Right here in Lawrence, Kansas, tremendous guy, gives a lot to local charities, but also gives of his time and his advice to helping make sure you have the most financially stable future. So check him out today at MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com. Always a pleasure, guys. I'll try to work on a better answer for a game day sign. Let me know what time you're doing that segment tomorrow. Maybe I'll shoot you what I come up with. But uh, I, I think right now you've got the leader in the clubhouse with Mass Street over Herb Street. I, I think Derek's got the winner. Well, I think I won out of default. Nobody else came up with anything. So, <laughs> but I'll take it. I'll take it. Brian, appreciate the time as always, man. See you, buddy. All right, that's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. All right, that was Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. You can hear him on the call Saturday here on KLWN pregame 930, kickoff at 11 o'clock. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk, our KU Club interviews, brought to you by Johnny's Tavern with the KU Men's Tennis Club, next with Sam Friend and Brian Madrigal. That side. Our KU Club interviews continue on with the KU Men's Club tennis team, brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, two locations here in Lawrence. Go check out Johnny's North, the original location in town. And we've got Sam Friend, Brian Madrigal here from the KU Men's Tennis Club joining us here. So, Sam, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what year in school are you, and uh, what's your background with tennis? Um, awesome. Thanks so much for having me. My name's Sam. Um, I'm a sophomore. Uh, tennis background, pretty much played my whole childhood. Loved the sport. Picked it up when maybe I was five or six. Started playing competitive tennis when I was probably 12. I played in the Missouri Valley, which is where I still am, obviously. And um, High school, I played a lot of varsity tennis. Um, 
just love the team atmosphere of it, but I just didn't really quite want to continue on and play collegiate tennis. So I figured my senior year I was done with the sport until I found club tennis and I've just enjoyed it so much. It's been super fun. And for you, Brian, um, same thing. What year in school are you and, and what's your background in tennis? Yeah, I'm actually a grad student. I am going into the master's in accounting program at KU. So I'm really, you know, coming to my end of my college career. But I started playing tennis my sophomore year of high school. And mine's a little bit different than Sam. I didn't really have that super competitive uh, experience that he had. I was more of a casual player when I started my sophomore year. And, you know, I quickly learned tennis. And, you know, in my varsity year, I was in the state tournament. Didn't make it far, but I've made it to the state tournament. And when I came to KU my freshman year, I joined club tennis. That was back in 2018. And since then, we've kind of grown the club, and I think we're at a pretty good spot this year. So how many people are on the team, and is it like a tryout-based thing? Is it just anybody can join? How does that all work? So we have two factions to the tennis club. We've got uh, the main club, which we have you know, more casual practices where anyone can join and play, anyone with just a decent level of experience. And then the other faction is our travel team, which we host a tryout. Um, at the beginning of the semester. This semester, we had about 45 to 50 total players try out. We had to narrow it down to 20. So we had 10 guys and 10 girls to finish. And that's our travel team for the year. And we basically pull players out of that roster to bring the tournaments. So if anybody at this point is like, hey, I'd love to join, it's probably a little too late for that. Is there anything coming at mid-semester? Is that just something just kind of get ready for next year? Um, so people can still join our casual club side. We do that Tuesdays and Thursdays, and that's a really good time. Um, it's not very serious, so a lot of players just have fun, meet new people, and then you know if they want to be a little bit more competitive, they might you know reach out to each other and play on the side. And then Thursdays we even give out gift cards for prizes, so it's a really casual experience. Um, if you were looking into the travel side, uh, the competitive side where we play against other schools. That'd be something that you start every fall semester because we have tryouts in the fall and we just pick up players if we need them, but it's mostly just in the fall. As far as the you know competitions, whatever they are, are going, um, is that something where it's individual-based? Is it team-based for the scoring? Is there a little bit of both? Uh, talk to me through some of the competitions. Yeah, so most of our competitions follow um, a similar format, which is World Team Tennis format. And um, it focuses more on team totals. So obviously tennis, um, most people know it as an individual sport. But for, for the way we score it, we tend to, um, our rules tend to be around adding up game totals. And so we play each flight. So we have singles, doubles, and mixed doubles. And um, it gets really competitive because you have overtime to where in the mixed match, which is always played last. Um, if you're down, you know, say eight games, you can come back, win eight in a row and go into overtime and potentially come back and win. So it's definitely team based. It's super critical to win every game. Even if you're up 5-0, like don't slow down, take the 6-0 because it's all cumulative games won. So, yeah. Um, what are, what are competitions like in terms of, are most of them here in Lawrence? Are they Kansas City kind of traveling about? Where are you guys going for a lot of these competitions? Yeah, so the USTA uh, organization, they host a lot of tournaments. So 
We have a pretty safe fall and spring tournament that we always go to. We always try to bring two teams just because we have a really good team, a lot of depth of skill on our team. So we try and bring as many people as we can. Other than that, we've uh, we hosted a tournament last year. We traveled all the way to Dallas. We've done duels against schools. Um, so I think this last year and this year especially, we've been pretty creative about how we compete and kind of creating scenarios for ourselves. Uh, for example, later this semester, we're traveling to St. Louis and having a duel against, I guess not a duel, it's a tri-duel or whatever you want to call it, but we're doing that with uh, two schools based in St. Louis. So it's not something that we've ever done, but it's something that I think we're going to really enjoy and be proud of and hopefully continue. How many competitions do you guys go to over the course of the season? Is this like an every week thing? Is it kind of like a once a month thing? How often are, are there the, the competitions? Well, we'd personally love to go compete every weekend, but in terms of funding and just schedule availability, we can't quite do that. But we try to we try to go to at least three or four in a semester. Last year, we probably went to three or four um, in each semester. So um, it really just depends on availability. A lot of times clubs will post on their socials about them hosting a tournament. Like we just actually posted yesterday that we're going to be hosting a tournament in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, we just try to compete when, when the timing's right and we have the funding. And, um, yeah, we try to com- compete as much as we can. Well, you mentioned the funding part of it. How is everything funded? Do you guys have fundraisers? Do you guys have, you know, gear sales or anything that, that people can kind of help support with? Yeah, so we do funding in a couple of different ways. We get a little bit of funding from the school. We get some funding from membership. Uh, you know, just from actually holding practice and having these members because it is a club and we really um, enjoy having everybody, but it does cost a little bit of money to you know, be a part of that experience. Um, other than that, we've really stepped up our fundraising. We do a couple of events that get us some fundraising, but we're also looking at kind of getting some support from the Lawrence community. Uh, we have a few businesses that we're going to actually sponsor on the back of our um, yearly tennis shirts and then we're also always looking for any businesses that want to help out and kind of support what we're doing. Okay, very cool. So I'll leave you guys with this. Sam, we'll start with you. What is your favorite thing about being part of the, the KU men's club tennis team? Well, I think primarily my favorite part is just um, making new friends. You know, I came into college, you know, not knowing how my experience would go in terms of finding friends and friendships. And tennis has really led me into that direction of finding, you know, quality friends. I've always thought my whole life that people in tennis just, I just click well with them. I I just, it's something that we have in common. And um, our tennis team this year, a lot of new players, freshmen, new faces, and we're all already really close. So I just really appreciate the friendships we build. And Brian, same for you. What's your favorite thing about being part of the tennis club? Yeah, I definitely would double what Sam said, but I think for me personally, um, it was a way for me to get involved on campus. And, you know, I took on leadership position starting my freshman year of uh, college in the tennis club. So, you know, being there the whole time to see it grow into what it is now, I think that's one of my favorite things, being able to really expand the club and take it new directions that we freshman year probably didn't even think about. All right, I lied. One more thing from each of you. What's the strength of your tennis game? Serving, forehand, backhand, give me something. What's the strength? 
I don't know. I got to go with my inside-out forehand. We play this game on practices called Touch the Fence, and if you hit a winner, which means the other the other player you know whiffs it or can't get to that ball, you stay in the round, and if you stay in, you get that gift card. So I've just been working on that inside-out shot. Um, that's my favorite ball. That's probably the biggest strength to my game. And what about you, Brian? Uh, for me, there's nothing really better than hitting a great serve and your part and your opponent not even getting it over the net. So probably has to stay serve. All right, there we go. That's Sam Friend, Brian Madrigal joining us here from the KU Men's Club tennis team. Guys, appreciate both of you coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's our KU Club interviews with the KU tennis team. You can support them in different ways. Again, you heard Brian talking about if your business is interested in helping support them, you can check that out as well. This is our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence and here over on the west side as well. Come on out and feel like you're part of the neighborhood of Johnny's. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Back after this. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening to us on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com and the KLWN app. Looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. They also have Taco Fest going on next week, so you're not going to want to miss out on that. Uh, mention for the KU women's basketball team in the Big 12 preseason media poll coming out and Kansas coming in fifth for the preseason rankings. I don't know if Aoka Lee would have been healthy for Kansas State if they would have been fifth and Kansas was sixth, but either way, um, Big 12 is pretty loaded once again. Like whether it's at the top, Iowa State picked to win the league, they're going to have a really good team, you know, but you have a lot of teams who are going to probably be like top four seeds in the NCAA tournament, whether it is Iowa State, Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma, and Kansas, even though they're picked fifth here, I don't think it would surprise you if they you know, were to finish uh, up in second or third or, or compete to win the Big 12 title this year. Because of what they showed last year, bringing all these players back, but it's obviously a, a cool sign that they're picked to finish there. And even though fifth out of ten teams doesn't sound like a huge accomplishment, in a loaded conference like the Big 12, fifth place could be a four seed in the NCAA tournament. So that is quite the accomplishment just to be picked there. Obviously, they have a lot to do to try to accomplish all of those things. But like I said, I think they're going to finish higher than that. And if you do, in this Big 12, I mean, that's that's quite a successful season. We already saw them win an NCAA tournament last year or a tournament game last year when they did finish fifth as well. I'm picking them to finish higher than that. I said yesterday I'm picking Tyana Jackson to be on one of the first two Big 12 uh, all teams in, in at the end of the year, be one of the top ten players in the Big 12, which would kind of indicate that, which wasn't really the case in the preseason pick. I'm high on this team and what they can do this season, and I'm excited to see uh, what they can roll out. And um, I think between both the men's and the women's teams, you're going to have – Quite a fun season of basketball in store for Lawrence and over at Allen Fieldhouse. Okay, we have some more KU football audio that we want to get to you today. A couple more clips. We're going to get to some Kobe Bryant audio coming up later in the show here in the 5 o'clock hour. The first is from Michael Ford. Michael Ford, starting offensive guard for KU, continues to play well along with really the whole offensive line, even in the game against Iowa State. Wasn't KU's best offensive performance but the offensive line played pretty well. You only allowed one sack in the game. You had pretty good numbers on your yards per carry uh, before contact. Even Devin Neal had a good running game. So 
Um, I think that you feel pleased with where that unit continues to be and, and going forward. Obviously, we still do have the questions of what would the depth look like of this team. So far, they've avoided that, so you knock on wood that that kind of continues. Here is uh, a chance that I had, along with some other media members, to catch up with Michael Ford. Defensive line was, was really dominant. Offensive line had a good game. It felt like the trenches were, were pretty key. Um, I feel like the defensive line did a great job of um, controlling the line of scrimmage. I feel like um, I feel like I kind of I definitely wasn't surprised by their performance because in practice they give us great looks every day, and um, and I'm definitely proud of the way they played and and I feel like that that game was was earned during the practice days more so than on game day because they they um. They showed that they could do that every every day in practice. Could you see like gradual improvement from them on that side of the ball in practice leading up to that game and, and really all season long? Uh, most definitely. I, I feel like I saw improvement um, in the spring, to be honest. like I, I feel like they've improved drastically over time, and I feel like they make us better as an O-line going against them. What has been the biggest key for you guys on the offensive line? You've only given up, I think, two sacks so far. So how have you thought your guys' performance has been? And and uh, what do you think about the game against Iowa State? Uh, I feel like the biggest thing for us is just, you know, um, just staying together, um, keying on the, the details of, of just of just everything Coach is talking about. And I feel like, the um, you know, the biggest details for us is just communication and just, um, like I said, just staying together through everything, through all the adversity that might happen. What's Jalen like in the huddle? Um, Jalen is very fired up, fired up guy. He's a, he's a leader. He, I wouldn't I wouldn't want any other dude leading us. Um, I feel like he um, takes control of the huddle and he, he he definitely he definitely he definitely leads us. We haven't seen as much of Savion Morrison and um, Kai Thomas so far this season, but with, with Daniel's injury, what do you expect from those guys kind of filling in? Um, I feel like the running back room is great. Um, I feel like they're handling everything, handling everything well. I feel like um, the running back room will be fine for the rest of the year, and um, I'm definitely excited to see them play. Who's the smartest offensive lineman? I feel like we're all smart. But Dirk is definitely, or Mike Nowitzki is definitely a, Mike Nowitzki or Obostic are definitely two guys that, that are pretty smart and key to detail of pretty much everything. Who's the funniest? I would have to say, I would have to say Dre Dorian. Dre Dorian is pretty funny. And who's the most likely to talk trash? Armaje, Armaje for sure. Some fun answers there for Michael Ford. I will say this, like, as I mentioned, with the the depth of the offensive line, which fortunately we haven't seen yet, and again, knock on wood with that. Um, but the fact that Drew or, or Dominic Pooney emerged to what he is and being like like he looks like an All Big Twelve some level, whether it's honorable mention, first team, second team, whatever uh, candidate and recipient so far, the way he's been playing this season, and he was not a guy that coming into camp we were expecting to start. So he basically, and part of it too, was Armaje Reed Adams having an injury over camp, I think too, that led to the opportunity for Pooney. But not only has that given you another good starter with what Pooney has done, it puts a starter caliber player in Reed Adams as one of your depth pieces, which does add to this team's depth and maybe give you more than we would have thought before the season started. So that was nice and uh, some fun answers there from Michael Ford. We also got a chance to catch up with Malcolm Lee, the 
super senior defensive end for KU, had one of his best games of the season, maybe even his career in the game against Iowa State. He's been playing really well here over these past couple weeks for Malcolm Lee. Here uh, is Malcolm catching up with myself and some other members of the media earlier this week. Malcolm, just talk about the defensive performance against Iowa State, holding them to 11. I know, it was great. Uh, I mean, shut down the run. Uh, probably wanted to give up or not as many passing yards, but uh, you just got to maintain that bend don't break mentality, even if they kind of get in that red zone area across the 50, something like that. Uh, you got to at least hold them to three. When we got fortunate enough, they missed three field goals. Let us get away with the one. Talk about the run defense. You really limited them in the run game. Uh, um, I mean, that, that's just week-to-week preparation. Um, work on being gap sound. Uh, keep trusting that your teammate is going to be in that gap and that you don't have to do anything extra, just doing your part. Is that the best you guys have played as a defensive line this season? Yeah. What do you see from TCU on film? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a real talented group, a whole lot of speed. Um, they have, like, the most explosive plays in, in the country by a whole lot. You, you don't really have a whole lot of, like, third down tape, stuff like that, just because they, they gain so much on first and second. So um, and the biggest thing is just getting pressure on, uh, on Max Duggan, kind of giving uh, – not, not letting them establish that run game kind of like we did last week, make them one-dimensional. What about him as a runner? Does he present some challenges running the ball? Yeah, for sure, especially on that re- – uh, not read option, on that uh, zone read. Um, just got to be a, do a good job on, uh, you know, checking your reads, making sure your, your eyes are disciplined. When you, oh, sorry, when you say one-dimensional, are you, are you talking about their whole offense or him specifically? Or? Whole offense. Okay. With game day being here, just what's the mood and the vibe around the team and the excitement? I mean, it's great, obviously. Um, this is something that uh, we haven't seen in Lawrence ever, and uh, this type of success we haven't seen in 10-plus years. But, um, I mean, it, it's another game. It's, again, like I said, it's a week-to-week thing. Um, all all the, the pageantry and all that stuff is cool, and the national attention is fun, but uh, it, it doesn't make a difference for us. It's not like, like we're... Uh, we're a part of the game day uh, activities or anything like that. You still got to get off that buzz and play some football. Is the season as a whole more fun because of all that stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, like just outside of game day, winning football games makes the season go by a lot quicker. Um, you know, in the past, like going uh, going 3-9, 0 9 2-10, 2-10, like that, the season can kind of drag on a little bit. It feels a lot longer, but... Uh, Starting out 5-0, it's definitely kind of flown by a lot quicker. What's that? Is that? Talking about, you know, the season going back quicker, is there literally, like, is it easier to pay attention, to buckle down, to really, not that you're slapped off before, but if you're, you know, 2-5 and five or whatever, maybe it's not the same week of practice or study or intensity? Um, Does this change anything like that? I mean, for me personally, no, but it, it definitely, it, it's a different, it, it gives a different vibe for the team overall. Um, I mean, I, I can't lie, it's not too exciting to to get up every day at, at, at uh, 5.30 in the morning going out and practicing when you're not having a lot of success. But uh, um, as an older guy and as, a, as somebody who's kind of been, been through the ringer quite a bit, uh, it, you can you can you can sense the in the locker room that, that guys are a lot more like into it. Did you during those rough years? Um, did you think about days like this? I, I know that was always the goal. Did 
have a season like this or a better season, right? But did you ever let your mind go this far to think about that, five and zero and sellouts and, and all that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not really something that like. Obviously, that's the goal. Starting off every single year is to win every game. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like, I, to be to be in this program so long and like finally have the success, like it's a real good feeling. It just feels like something that's been a long time coming. Yeah, and when you when you look back and you thought about, hey, we're building something here. Did it look like this? I mean, were, were you able to even? Entertain that that this could be game day here and five and zero. Oh and yeah, I mean, it, even when we didn't have have a whole lot of uh, faith outside of our building, like I always expected to win every game that we walk into. Um, so I mean, yeah, now that it's like it, it's realized and like it's a real material thing, like I'm not shocked by it. Thanks, Bob. Sure. Does the rotating on the defensive line help you guys kind of at this point in the season? Oh, it's big. Like a big thing with playing defense is it's real draining. Um, like every calorie a, a O line is going to burn as a D lineman, you're going to burn three. Like you're putting it. There's a lot of running and a lot of strain. So we can rotate a lot and get some fresh legs in there. It it, it helps you go 100% every play. Something he brought up there that I found very interesting. There's not a lot of third down tape on him, so that could be good or bad. That could be bad if. TCU has all this stuff that they haven't been able to or haven't had to show on film that is going to surprise KU, but it also could mean TCU isn't as good as executing on those third downs. So who knows? If KU can can limit those big plays and slow down the offense, then they might be in good shape because they might be putting TCU in an uncomfortable situation. We'll just have to find out on Saturday, but uh, certainly feel good for him. Malcolm Lee came back for his extra year this year because he wanted to make an impact on the program and some of these young guys and has been such a veteran leader for them, and he's been playing really well. Obviously, the team's been doing really well, so cool on him for doing just that. All right, we're going to take a time out here. When we come back, we've got some Kobe Bryant audio. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have High School Sports Weekly at Burgers by Biggs coming after the show at 6 o'clock later today here on KLWN. We'll be back after this timeout.